0: We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge
1: savings? Yeah, Digitex does that.
0: D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 chat. It is uh, 133 in Edmonton. 50 years. That's right. 50 years Royal Pizza Edmonton owned and operated. Uh, The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is Mediterranean Chicken. At Royal Pizza everything is real. None of that synthetic stuff. It's big boy old school pizza. And Royal Pizza has been uh, involved in uh, shows that I've hosted now for the last 19 years. Uh, So uh, they're loyal and uh, and they're definitely the place to go to. The best pizza in the city now. 14 locations in the city of Edmonton. Edmonton to own and operate it for 50 years for many locations, visit royalpizza.ca. Download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. We are joined by the Other uh, Entertainment Group's President of Business Operations, the COO, Tom Enselmi, who's been kind enough to uh, stay an extra 10 minutes. So, Tom, I'm going to hit you with some questions that we've got here. Just the first one, those on hockey. Uh, this one comes in, Bob. The Flames signed super-tough Alex Gallant to an AHL contract will fit well with Lomberg and Scott Sabrin, uh policing Stockton. What has Bakersfield done? They lost Evan Poli to St. Louis. Come on, Wayne Gretzky. Put on – or, sorry, Keith Gretzky. Come on, Keith Gretzky. Put on your Brian Burke thinking cap, and that's load Bakersfield up with a Dylan McElrath or a Curtis McDermott or an Anthony Peluso. So that text comes to us out of Edmonton. Um... Alright, on Evan Poli, you got an NHL deal. We should establish that with St. Louis, so all the more power to him. You mentioned in the uh, text, Dylan McElrath, former Moose Jaw Warrior, Curtis McDermott, who played with McDavid and Erie, and Anthony Peluso. Well, you mentioned one of the guys you orders are about to sign. That's all I'll leave you with. Again, you can text us at 630-630. This text comes in, and it says, uh, Bob, can you ask Tom about the possibility of soccer? Uh, could Edmonton ever get into MLS. So, there we go Tom, I'm going to throw it, because you have experience you were involved with uh, Toronto FC which has become a, I mean they won the championship a couple of years ago, Didn't they, who's the guy they signed out of the English Premier League uh, he ended up going back to the EPL and, and being a star striker again in that league, but this was a guy that uh, was a, a a top player for a number of
1: years. Yeah, yeah. and they—I uh, mean, it was the Italian kid that just left, and he's playing in Saudi Arabia now. That was the, you know, maybe the best player that's ever played in MLS. That that uh, helped them win the championship right. a couple of years ago um you know so so could ml could could Edmonton support MLS i don't know that um cuz i just don't know enough about the market and yeah. you know in soccer here um i know there's a team here in the uh, in the new canadian league um uh, don't know much about it um i do know the folks behind the canadian league and it's an interesting concept you know mls has changed so much like when we uh you know, in in a market like Toronto, where where soccer is is pretty is pretty significant, uh, the perception was that it it had failed professionally a number of times, and you know right. the Euros wouldn't support North American soccer and those kind of things, and uh, we kind of dipped our toe in the water. Franchises were ten million dollars at the time, and I think it was another ten million to invest in the building and uh you know franchises are about 150 million now and uh you know the league has got a lineup of people wanting to wanting to expand so um you know so it's been a, an enormous growth story an enormous success story and um and you know toronto fc has become a significant sports brand in that market and uh, and saw and it's helping grow the game in canada so it's you know it's all good um you know is there a is there a, a soccer play for us here? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just don't know enough about the the current situation. And uh, but I love the game. I think we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg here in in North America, and uh, and it's only going to grow.
0: Uh, all right. So I, I mean, I can recall back to the days of the Toronto Metro Croatia. Yeah. And what what happened in the old days of the NASL? For our, and some of our listeners would remember this is whichever ethnic group gained control of the the management and the coaching, that's sort of the type of players. So in Edmonton here, we had a heavy Dutch influence with the Edmonton uh, Brickman, which were owned by Peter Pocklington. Uh, And and then there was a little bit of a finished run. We had a guy named Kai Oscove, who was uh, really good at indoor soccer as well. But it it, it did, you know, and the NASL didn't work. I mean, they had sort of past their prime, you know, like by the time Pele came in, you know, he, he, and international soccer was different back then too. It was nowhere near like now where it's mammoth transfer fees and, and that sort of thing on players. Um, now that said, you can make an argument that uh, MLS has, you know, got uh who's the guy that plays in uh Los Angeles right now with the big 6 foot five? Yeah, the Swedish guy. The yeah. Swedish guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ibrahimovic. Yeah. They got him sort of on the downside of his career and uh David Beckham downside maybe on his career as well. It's not like, you know, you're you know, a lot of people think Christian uh, Ronaldo, uh Cristiano Ronaldo will ultimately end up playing in Miami. I think he might even be part owner of that team. So it's it, it's kind of an interesting 150 million bucks now for expansion, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And you guys got in for 10 million dollars yeah that worked Uh, out okay yeah so that was a that was a a good one and they they won a couple years ago another text has come in Uh, Bob could you ask Tom about his thoughts with regards to female professional hockey and what would be some of the important things um, that should have to happen or uh, for our Olympians uh, to have a place to play uh, between the Olympics that comes out of Slave Lake so here's one of the questions because they just wrapped up the World Cup Equal pay, equal pay, equal pay. Uh, The women's league basically folded in Canada. Where do you get the money from?
1: Boy, we can sit here and talk about this forever. I mean, you you start with uh, the women's game is growing like crazy, which I think it's the fastest growing sport in Canada right now, if I'm not mistaken. It it and soccer are kind of neck and neck, Um, and so anything that you know that. that um gets girls playing is a good thing and obviously a sport grows if there is something that kids aspire to and it's either at the olympic level or the professional level or both uh and that's how the pyramid works um you know the, the two leagues have have both folded or whatever the heck's going on the canadian yeah. league folded and everybody's sort of waiting to see what the next move is um you know the, the question, I saw something on Twitter the other day after the World Cup when the whole equal pay thing came out. And somebody was saying, um, as a percentage of of uh, the uh, the revenue generated, the women were actually getting a higher percentage than the men. So at the end of the day, for the World Cup, right? For World Cup. Now, does that apply to, pro, to professional? I don't know. I just don't know enough about it. <laughs> right. You know, I guess, um, you know, at the end of the day, any sport can only afford to pay what it can afford to pay. And that's a function of what kind of revenue it can generate. And so I think with women's hockey, what we really have haven't seen is an organized concerted effort to invest in a league and really create you know market it and 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 create a a, a fan base and see what the potential really is you know mls for instance you know spent a lot of time and a lot of dollars with you know a lot of owners that had deep pockets investing and growing the league before it became what it is now and uh, the question is how do you do that in women's hockey and that I don't know.
0: Uh, Jermaine Defoe, by the way, was the player that was brought over from the EPL, then went back to the and was it Sebastian Gio? What was his name? Uh, Javinko. Javanko He was, he, and he's now playing Saudi Arabia. I think. He's yeah. in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tom Salmi joining us right now. Bob Stauffer with you on orders now. Um, and he, here's the thing: like people bring up the WNBA, uh, they have had. I think they're down to maybe 12 franchises, maybe 10. Uh, It is not, to my knowledge, I mean basically there's franchises underwriting some of those teams in that league uh, but they make so much money off TV revenue that it's an easier uh, thing. I mean I wonder I'll throw this out there. Should it be incumbent upon NHL organizations to underwrite losses for Women's League? Like, I mean, and I'm not saying it always be that way, but I, I, you know, because I, 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 I think in fairness, it would be tough to, I mean, could they play a twenty-four twenty? Could you, could you sell that in, a, in, in the big buildings? And you just said it—the the, the amount of growth that we're seeing in women's hockey has been unparalleled. Canada's fighting like tooth and nail to sit there, and the the rivalry with the U.S. is awesome, but. At the end of the day here, I mean, in the NBA, they're down to 12 teams, and I, I don't know how many of those teams are profitable, and there still has to – should that not be part of the equation? Well, I, I guess to answer the question,
1: I'd want to know, you know, what does the research say? Like, what what, what, what what do fans really want? I mean, clearly, every four years when the Olympics happen – People watch it. Everybody, everybody gets to the edge of their seat, and they pay attention in a big way. Yeah. Um, you know, the question is um, – Will they do that for a properly marketed and, 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 and promoted and, and organized um, uh, league? Uh, Professional league, and if they will, how many times a year? And you know, does it need to be brand affiliated with NHL clubs? And you know, those are the kind of things I'd want to a- ask a lot of those questions yeah. and understand what 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 the research would say before I you, you could really answer that question.
0: Right. I mean, in the case of the Oilers, you've, you've already got the Oilers and the Oil Kings with X amount of dates in the building, and that does not include obviously concert nights. So you you might be limited in terms of potential. Uh, you know, when you could play and when you can. And could- is it the wrong size venue? Because
1: it's and then it's too expensive to turn the lights on for a, a sport that might really thrive at 6,000 seats, you know. Right. It, it, it's all those kind of things. So, uh, you know, would would it be
0: nice if it could happen? Sure, it would. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're getting uh, some people that clearly understand the uh, the revenue uh, uh, generation component in this. Uh, Just to wrap up, Tom, um, and we're going to try to get you on every, if possible, every couple of months uh, because, you know, I I think you know that uh, we have an engaged fan base here. Um, What are you going to work on between maybe now and September uh, over the next six weeks? Obviously, you're going to take a little bit of time off. I'm going to assume you're going to move here full time at some stage and uh, and, and live in Edmonton. uh, But is there anything you can do in the short term? before the team actually gets up and running and plays during the course of the season that are priorities for you?
1: Yeah, a lot of a lot of the uh, the organizational stuff we were talking about earlier, and getting everyone rallied around kind of what that new era is all about now, and uh, uh, moving out of the sort of building phase and into into really a a, a, an optimizing phase. Um, You know, we're going to look at other ways we can grow the organization. Excuse me, Um, but but really the focus right now is uh, for me is um, uh, still a lot of listening and learning. I haven't had the benefit of being here for some games and you know and and really sort of seeing what we do and you know I know we punch above our weight in a lot of ways in the NHL Um, so you know those areas want to grow a little less than the other areas that need to grow more Um, and it's not just about growth it's about um, you know what are we doing and are we doing things the best way possible are we as efficient as we can be is the experience as great as it can be are we being as creative as we can be you know does the um, is the fan looking for a different tone and a different message from the organization I mean, it's those kind of things that, uh, you know, they they'll be um, they don't they don't they don't uh, land at your feet right away. You know, you, you, you need to take a bit of time and uh, and uh, that's what I want to do. We got lots of good people here. They know what they're doing. I just want to help them do their job
0: better. That's really my job. All right, Tom. We appreciate the time. Uh, we'll get you to come in again, as I mentioned, maybe closer to September. Uh, we're gonna throw a break. It's 145 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. This is Oscar Plefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Shed. It's 148 at Edmonton. Bob Stauffer with you. You can text us on our Heartland Ford text line at 630-630. Again, I'd like to thank the uh, new COO, the President of Business Operations for the Edmonton Oilers, Tom and uh, for joining us in studio for 45 minutes. Thank you to all of those who took the time to text us in. The Chisler has texted us to say, uh, the Chisler out of Las Vegas, by the way, roughly one-tenth of all our individual downloads per month on this show for the podcast. And we're up around a couple hundred thousand downloads a month. Um, one-tenth comes from the United States, the Chisler's down in Vegas. He says, Bob, I am not a legend in this community. We didn't see eye-to-eye and everything back in the day when I lived in Edmonton. But uh, uh, I can respect a guy like uh, Matt Hendricks. Bob, you need to get in the gym. You're holding up the bus again. More Hendo on your show because attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. Now, you're about to tell me something here in this day in Oilers history that I don't 100% totally remember. Is that a first? That's got to be a first for that happening. Uh, back in 1997, following a 59-point season, the Oilers re-sign Andre Kovalenko to a multi-year contract extension. I remember, I remember that. Okay. Now, this Russian winger played another season and a half with Edmonton before being shipped to Philadelphia for Alex Dagg. Alexander Degg. That had to have been part of a... Are you sure it wasn't part of a three-way deal? Because he never played a game for the evans Oilers organization. Alexander Degg. I'd have to look. I would definitely have to look at what the next move was there. Yeah, because that seems... Uh, I remember Kovalenko... Uh, I think he got four. No, it was uh, Alex uh, Salivanov. that got four goals in a game uh, against the uh, against Chicago. I think Salivanov had the four goals in a game. But You nailed it, Bob. In fact, those two were swapped for each other that same day, and uh, Dag, Dag and went to like, Tampa Bay. There you go. Because I, I was thinking, I don't remember Dag ever playing a game for the Oilers. Now, he – and uh, you know what? It's something that could – would probably be laughed at today, but it was not well received. Do you know? So he, he was considered a phenom when he was drafted. Of course, Chris Pronger turned out to be a much better player from that draft year than Alexander Degg. Um, Digg went first overall in 1993. The guy who went first overall in 1991, that guy, he was a phenom. That guy was Eric Lindros. That guy was as dominant of a player as there was from ninety five to 2000. With all due respect to Peter Forsberg, who probably had a better overall career, Eric was more dominant. But one of the things that hurt Alexander Digg is when he got drafted number one, do you know what he did? He did a photo op in a nurse's outfit. And let's just say maybe society in the early 1990s did not, did not have the same sort of, like, you know, he was, I think he, he was kind of being campy. Would that be the term that they would, anyways. Um, and and in fairness to Dig he had a decent first year with the uh, Ottawa Senators. You know, he he scored 20 goals and had... 51 points. I went minus 45 that season on a not a very good team in Ottawa. The next year we had the lockout, which was 94-95, and Dig went back to uh, junior and lit it up and then returned to Ottawa and had another decent year at 16 goals, 37 points in 47 games. But then he started to lose traction. Ultimately was traded in a three-way deal. Uh, or he was traded to the Flyers and then in a three-way deal from uh, Philadelphia through Edmonton into Tampa Bay. And as soon as he said, I am like, I don't remember Kovalenko getting traded for Dag, but of course, a uh, three-way deal. You could uh, text us at 630-630. And Kovalenko was a pretty good player. One of the funniest moments is Glenn Sather had just picked him up, and the Russians were playing the United States, and at this point, this was in 96, the 96 Canada Cup, and Kovalenko got into a spirited jostling session with one Doug Waite, who was like the star player in the Oilers, and they showed Glenn there up in the stands, and uh, Slats was uh, laughing during the '96 uh, Canada Cup. One of the great moments in the '96 Canada Cup happened, actually, in the pre-tournament games. Canada played the United States, and a uh, couple, uh, well, they went a little bit old school for the Canada Cup. Boys decided to drop the flippers, including Claude Lemieux. Who could fight when he decided now is the time to fight? But I remember Lindros got in a fight. I'm trying to think, one of them and Lemieux got in a scrap. One of them fought Kachuk. It might have been Lemieux against Kachuk. I can't even did did Lindros fight Bill Guerin at that time? Uh, it was just it was, just think about that today. So they're playing a pre. Can you imagine if we have the World Cup of Hockey? Okay, Canada against the U.S. and there's a fight in a pre-tournament game today. Well, that's what it was like back in 1996. Uh, again, you can text us at 630-630. Uh, punch above the weight class. Timo says, Bob, uh, how about the orders just start punching, period. Uh, again, you can text us at 630-630. Yeah, several texts coming in on different perspectives. Bob, you never uh, asked Tom about bringing AAA baseball back into Edmonton. Well, one of the problems with the baseball situation is AAA baseball didn't want Edmonton. Rick sure, who now oversees the BC Lions organization, he was part of the, the Eskimo group that sold the AAA rights. Uh, was it to Red Rock, I believe, to Nolan Ryan's group? And... Um, Hey, man, if they don't want you in, they don't want you in. Tomorrow's show is fluid, but it is a Friday fun day. And it will be a day, I guarantee you, I'm going to be able to get you highly engaged. We're going to have some fun as we head off into the weekend. Again, tonight, we've got the Eskimo game. The pregame shows at 6 o'clock. Kickoff at 8 o'clock. I'd like to thank our guest today, former Oiler, now with the Minnesota Wild in a development role, one of the great guys uh, that's come into this market over the last several years. One of two players that I've gone to management and said, You got to hire this guy in development, Matt Hendricks. i also like to thank Dave Campbell and Oiler Entertainment Group's president of business operations, Tom and Selmy. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Carrie McCarthy, followed by the 6.30 Ched Afternoon News with guest host Kelsey Campbell. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio,
1: 6.30 Ched.